Very, very special version of Inside Out with Turner. And Seth, we just interviewed. Well, we did the other day. We're now cutting segments a couple days later. Uh, legend, true legend. That word gets thrown on, thrown on a lot, but we got to sit down and talk with Kevin Kinney of Driving Crying. Um, always knew he's a great songwriter. I've had interactions with him over the years here and there. Uh, even drove him to, uh, to a couple gigs from the airport a couple times. And that's why I was surprised when he said yes to doing the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a real treat. I got to tell you, you know, we've come a long way, you know, interviewing because I think uh, that interview we just did with Kevin was the second best interview I've ever done. He was, he was in a way, it's what I think uh, taking another step from the great Peacock, what we want to do with this Peacock? podcast. Because with Peacock, we had it more like a natural conversation. And I like that. Yeah, but now really we're flowing. Now we're going another step and really setting the. Subject at ease and getting the hell out of their way as much as we can. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple times it, it, he was hard to read body language wise. So when, if it feels like we're stepping on his toes a little, it's, you know, we you, you want to walk the balance. You want to give your subject space, but you also want to keep things moving along. We don't have to we don't have to keep things moving along as much as terrestrial. That's the beauty of podcasting. We can let stuff breathe, if you will. <sighs> exactly. A uh, couple the thing, things. The thing about this interview that I really enjoyed. Is is that? But it's it's uh, he was really relaxed. But in in Rob, in what you're saying, the approach that we took, it was really allowing him to have the space and freedom to really dive deep and go into talking about what he wanted to talk about and give him the comfort. You know, a lot of interviews I find uh, direct the interview. They really have a direction they want to go. They want to hit this, this, and this. Now, I mean, come on, you and I definitely go into this, and we have things we want to talk about. Sure, but, but we let the we let the subject direct to some extent as well. Absolutely, and I felt. You know, I felt very comfortable putting on my seatbelt, sitting back and letting him go as far and deep as he wanted to go. And if if we if we took a corner in it and it turned into a long roundabout, well, that was fine. A couple things. First of all, uh, I misspelled Tim Knowles, even though I was looking at the literally looking at the YouTube. Tim Knowles is K-N-O-L. One L. When you hear the interview, I'll introduce him as two. He's a, ne- a musician from the Netherlands who uh, has worked with Kevin. I mentioned a YouTube, and uh, we learned that Driving and Crying covered one of his songs on one of their recent EPs. And also Eric Von Hessler, the producer of the Scarred But Smarter documentary that we talk about a bunch in this interview. He's not only Eric V online, um, y- you know, he's got his podcast. Um, but you also can hear him on WSB Radio here in Atlanta, which is also online. That's at noon every Sunday. Noon to three. Well, then it's not just here in Atlanta, then, Rob. It's online. Just here in Atlanta, terrestrially. Terrestrially. Uh-huh. Terrestrially. Uh, th- by the way, after the interview, we were invited. Well, we ran into Dave Scruggs. Who everyone knows Dave Scruggs on the on our podcast, Rob. Well, okay. Just <laughs> handed me a stick to beat you with. Thank you. <laughs> Dave Scruggs is a, a kind of a local legend. Works in a lot of box offices. Works for, um, what's the other cruise company? Sixth man. Sixth man. And um, he was all excited to go to David Ryan Harris and Emerson Hart. So we were like, hey, if Dave's going, let's go, you know. And um, the nice folks at City Winery who were very hospitable to us, they rolled out the red carpet, gave us a nice seat, and we experienced our first City Winery show. The first musician was David Ryan Harris. Who to me uh, was incredible, by the way. I didn't. I was very unfamiliar with him. Uh, but um, he, he was really, really great. Reminds me a lot of Martin Sexton and his style. Interesting. 
He was. I'm, I'm, I'm just actually, uh, Seth sees me looking at my phone. I want to make sure. I thought you were texting. I was like, God, Rob, you can't really. No, I got the rest. I got all night to text. <laughs> my wife is out of town. And um, I'm just going to, actually, I'm going to be st- starting on my, uh, actually have already started on my lock-in research. Oh, here I thought you were going to say you're going to start cleaning the house, but that's a whole different thing. I'll Never do the mind. kitchen. That's it. Um, man, there's a lot of acts that we'd love to interview. So there's a lot of work. I've been already listening to, well, Brandy Carlisle immediately. Love Brandy Carlisle. Gary Clark Jr., Hardworking Americans. Ween, a lot of ween. I got a lot of ween to learn. I've tapped my friend Cher to uh, help me out to learn ween. I actually might go there tonight and drink some wine, bring my dog over there and sit at the foot of Cher and learn about ween. Not the famous actress, singer Cher. No, not the... I, I see her as uh, Greg Almonds. Last weekend, uh, my, um, when I was in Canada on my way back, my wife and son went on a, went to the Chattahoochee doing a tubing you know, on the river. And... Um, I get a text while I'm on the plane, so through the computer on the internet. Anyway, the point is, she <laughs> she said the weather got so bad they they you know they they pulled right to the side of the the river and pulled all the uh, tubes up and and these nice Indian couple comes out and invites them, you know, to their to their house to until the storm calmed down. Wow. And I said she, but she texted me though. She's like, shows me this photo of this indoor pool and stuff. I'm like, wow, where are you? She goes, Cher's house, Cher's old house. And I'm like, well, I didn't think your friend, Rob's friend Cher, had that kind of money. <laughs> but it was, but it was actual Yeah, Cher. it was actually Cher. Did she uh, live there with Greg? I don't know exactly the details, but it's very 70s. And it looked like a really cool house. It looked really cool. So anyways, David Ryan Harris used to be in a band, Follow For Now. This is a band I used to see mo- mostly in when I lived in South Carolina in the 90s. And the, one of the distinguishing things about this band, Seth, they were a high-energy electric band, and there would be slam dancing, racially mixed, totally friendly like I, I don't know a lot of people who've never slam danced the uh, instant thing that probably pops in your head is that it's some sort of violent awful thing and i'm sure at times i've seen uh dancing circles or whatever you call them turn violent but with follow for now it was all friendly it was all about the music it was all about energy and uh david ryan harris was wonderful the room sounds wonderful um the room sounds great it really does especially go ahead uh you know where i'm going with this right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well no no first the only talking because people uh, have been wondering oh, yeah. whether or not there'd be talking in city winery and there was, but only in the VIP section. I looked around and walked around, and nobody in the tables in front of the stage was talking. But the raised area that we were just that was just behind us, there was a b- good bit of talking. But there was one point at which Mr. Harris hit a particularly high note. <laughs> Immediately <laughs> after it, you hear a glass break. Oh, it's the t- you could not. The timing was perfect. It's like an Ella Fitzgerald commercial. Oh man, I, I and gigg- was- giggling went throughout the crowd. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a good moment. I suspect that uh, we're going to be doing a lot more uh, that's coming through the city winery. The um, uh, they they're very very open to us doing stuff there, which is great. And the the space uh, it works. I mean, you know, for for us doing our podcast, there's a couple different spaces there. One in particular, which I want to try out, is actually going into the barrel room and doing one there. Although that could get dangerous because I do like wine a little bit. You like wine, like I like cassettes. I'm a whiner. So, um, the Georgia Trout. I recommend the Georgia Trout. The band? I never heard of them. No. The, There's got to be a band called Georgia Trout. I imagine. There was Lake Trout. Remember them? They're still around, aren't they? I have no idea. If they were from Georgia, they'd be Georgia Lake Trout. Oh, the George, there should be a cover Lake Trout cover band in Georgia called Georgia Lake Trout. Oh, yeah. They could play every Taco McIntyre. Yes, sir. Listen, uh, uh, a, a couple other spillover things. Um, from the last episode, Ira Gross gave us a live uh, recording. Ira Gross, by the way, is a taper of tapers. He's been taping 
shows, uh, recording shows for several, 30, uh, 30, 30 years, 35 years. He's a fixture at uh, Jazz Fest in New Orleans. He's a fixture at the U.S. Well, Open. Well, any, any place he's at, he's a fixture because he's got the mics. True, but he's always at Jazz Fest every year. And I think he makes every... Uh, I think he makes every uh, U.S. Open up in New York too, which is hoity, hoity, toity. Yeah, it's Irish. He records. He mm-hmm. records the uh, U.S. Open. Not that I know of. I don't. Is think this so. tennis? Why would you? No, but he's had tickets. I'm just saying. He, oh, he so always it just goes up there. Makes sense. Has... We're talking about him recording, and you're like, oh, and and he. Well, I was I just mean, saying like... he's a fixture. I was just trying to show that he's a well-rounded guy. He's not just. He's music. very worldly, but uh, according to, uh, I mean, in part of our show though, we're gonna go ahead and open up a. Um, not a series, but we're gonna some of the as we as you all know if you listen we we add music, and, gonna, um, and so some of the music that we do is gonna be coming from Ira. It's gonna which, be called ICG, Iris Crypt Gems. And that, no, go ahead. He's got he's got a ton. You were just at the house, like you saw his catalog, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the the last song of the Great Peacock episode came from him. The last song of the. Uh, Camera Park 2 episode, the one we had to fade. We had a hard time finding good quality. <laughs> the Mountain String Band. But whatever, we did the best we could with what we got. Another spillover from the last episode. Uh, when I talked about Colorado, I forgot to mention Vale. Your buddy, mine too, but you, I know him through you. Ariel Rosenberg has begun uh, booking a series of uh, events, free shows. Yeah, that's great. Ariel used to, he was an intern of ours that became an employee uh, great dude, great dude. So yeah, good, good, good at you, Ariel. Uh, good job out there in Vale. Sorry, the Everyone Orchestra was their first ever bluegrass version, and it was fantastic. It was gripping. Now they've had bluegrass musicians partake in their band, but this was all bluegrass. All blue- oh yeah, and it was wonderful. So uh, I mean, I did he held up one side that just said pick? No, but they, they would like do improv stuff, and then they'd like go into a song, and it seemed like the songs were thought up on the moment, but you you, you can never tell. It might have just been artfully done. I don't know. Also, it was the first time I ever met people who I'd never met before. You never met you met people that you've never met before. It, wow, good job. I know. You're finally breaking the ice with the world. Congratulations, Rob. No, but seriously, I ran into people who knew of the podcast, people I didn't I mean, there were a bunch of friends that I, that were in the Irish circle from Atlanta, but there were also other people who were like, Oh, I listen to your podcast all the time, you know, and they were really Ariel friendly. Circle. I don't know. No, I don't you think Ariel Circle. Ariel. Did I say Ira? You did. <sighs> These Jewish names. Can't keep up with him. Emery. Ray LaMontagne is here, and uh, my wife has seen him tonight in Nashville. And he's Nashville. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more things. We really want to get to this interview. Josh Thane is our uh, sound man extraordinaire. Uh, Josh Thane's a wonderful guy, great sound man. He is His band, Migrant Workers, I've seen them a couple times. I've seen them jam with the, with the colonel. I like Migrant Workers. Yeah, they give you a migrate. They're playing August 6th at Smith's Old Bar with John Harrison of Sundogs. He's going to be there. Sundogs, the good band, too. John Harris, not Harrison. Dumb Rob. John Harris of Sundogs with his band and Hill Roberts of the Law Band, which when you hear the name The Law Band, what do you think of, Seth? Well, it sounds to me like lawyers that are now playing music. No, you don't fight that band because they will win. Ooh, that was uh, was clever. rocks in the... Hudson, I fought the law and the law won. I fought the law. All right, law. so let's, uh, you know, no one wants to hear you sing. They, 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 no one wants to hear that. He's also doing vinyl night Monday. It's not a DJ night. Bring your own vinyl. Sign All up. All right, enough. People don't live here in Atlanta. Red Light Cafe listening. Monday. Some people do, but let's uh, move on. You and your dates. Enough with your dates, Rob. So we're going to do, we're going to tease a little something for you. We're going to oh. go to the Kevin interview here. But uh, afterwards, we have um, just a couple quick comments on the convention, including a friend of mine keeps set lists of them. We're going to read one of the set lists from the convention. And Jeff Atchison, who starts his U.S. tour at Eddie's Attic in, in Decatur on August 19th, 
He's doing like a month tour. He is our subject of our next episode. He kindly, last time he was in the U.S., dropped five songs in an interview on us. We are going to play one of those songs at the end of this podcast before we go into the Kevin stuff to end. That's a good idea, and I think you all are going to like it. And please, if, you're, if you haven't started um, following us on Twitter or online, any of the socials, uh, please do. We and everybody's telling support. me everybody's telling me we're supposed to ask, now that we're starting to get more and more listeners, if you're listening on iTunes, or even if you're not, if you go on iTunes and write a review, I'm oh, told, yeah. or, particularly other people who podcast. Rate it. Ra- yeah, I know. The podcast. I'm told that maybe it's too easy. Social media stuff's too easy. You don't want to be bothered with something easy. So we'll figure. We'll give you something a little more hard. Tell you what, a little you more can rate important. us. Rate us on iTunes. Be rate us on email. Oh my God, that's perfect. All right, I love that. Oh, and one other thing before we go, um, I saw a Tedeschi Trucks ban with Los Lobos, and, and you didn't get kicked out. Congratulations. No, and I was for, thanks to Richard Paul. I was front row for Tedeschi Trucks. He he tends to get you front row often. What are you doing for that? Oh. Mm-hmm. Not on the air subject, I guess, huh? So we're really excited about this. We, we welcome everybody. You don't want me to say any more about t- everybody in Atlanta sat in with Tedeschi Trucks. It's pretty cool. Susan Tedeschi fronted Los Lobos for what's going on. Uh, what's going on, the Marvin Gaye song. And if anybody's been paying attention to the news, this was poignant as hell. It was so good. Powerful. And then Derek, the Masi Mas, Los Lobos big closer. Derek and his horns came out. They jammed. Huge energy. And then Colonel Bruce, our former guest, came out and sang Spoonful. I think he messed with Susan because Susan introduced it as Halimul's, the anniversary of Halimul's birth or his death. I looked it up. It was neither. Colonel messed with her. Wonderful show. And Jimmy Herring sat in. It's always wild to watch Derek play with Jimmy Herring because Jimmy was, you know, is kind of his... What, what would you say? His well, muse? Yeah, but he's also, you know, Derek's brother's Dwayne. Dwayne's wife's father is Jimmy. So what's that make? Jimmy I don't. To you, I think that's great. And you've mentioned that before. But I think when they're on stage, I think that's irrelevant. I think the fact that when Derek was young, Jimmy's the one who opened up his mind to all this different types of music oh. and approaches. And so that's the one time like Derek, Derek completely. The other times Derek's moving around the stage with the guests and still prowling the front. When Jimmy's on stage, Derek backs off and he's encouraging Jimmy mm-hmm. out and out. He's really trying to push Jimmy. They got into some just... Whose hair was longer? Delicious interplay. I didn't pay attention. Oh. Sorry. I periscoped a bunch. You people figured, should, yeah, you should follow me on Twitter. I'm periscoping crazy stuff all the time. At R-S-T-N-E-R. Follow me. Or just follow Inside Out W-T-N-S. Yeah. Do both. What the heck? I think that's it, Seth. All right, good. We got through Rob's notes, and now it's time to get to what was an incredible interview. We oh, really I hope you guys enjoy it. No, Rob, you're done. One you more, te- it, no, it, one more tease for save after. It to the end, buddy. No, one more thing after, because uh, this is the uh, thing that I waited for the air to tell you about that you'll be able to make fun of me about something oh, wait, I did last on. weekend. Yeah. You? Oh, now, we, now suddenly he's, he's letting Hang me talk. Hang a second. We got a new segment. It's time for the Rob Hour. I'll share that with you afterwards. I like, uh, you know, Seth is so generous giving me things to beat him with. I'm going to give him something to beat me with. Go ahead, Seth. Lead us into the interview. Wait, I thought you were going to do that now. No, it's a tease. Oh. You really, you're broadcasting ignorant, don't you? You don't understand a tease? That's I'll let you in, listeners. See, this is our way of trying to get you to hang out after Kevin's done, because I know a lot of you are tuning in to hear Kevin and... You know, I might be the same way if I were you. <laughs> but we want you to hang out and hear the end. So uh, we got some good stuff that you'll be able to make fun of us. And people love that. So we hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening. And here you go. Kevin and Ken.
We are here with Atlanta music icon, founding Uh member of Driving and Crying, a band who's well-documented in the Eric Von Hessler-produced documentary, Scarred But Smarter. Atlanta Emoji. Atlanta Emoji, a big smiley. And he also has a wonderful, wonderful uh, solo career, and it's a real treat to have him here as he's about to begin a five-night residency at City Winery. Uh, Inside Out listeners, behold, we give you Kevin Kinney. Here we are. Welcome, welcome. What's the name of that series, by the way? What series? The one we're about to start, the City Winery <laughs> deal. Oh, my series. Well, it's called Kevin Kinney's Auto Shop and Magic Show. Um, I will be uh, doing five weeks in a row of a... Um, it's a bit of an improv kind of show. It's like Driving a Car never does the same show anyway, twice. So songs get... Constructed and deconstructed and reconstructed. So every week we're going to have a different version of Driving and Crying or Kevin Kinney songs. The first one is going to be Kevin is the Driving and Crying, basically. That's with the first one. Vaden. First Tuesday in August. First August Tuesday August 2nd. August second is yeah it's me and uh, me and Tim and Dave and then Sadler Vaden who made all the EPs with us. Who has since gone on to do um, Jason Isbell? He's a 400 uniter, and um, so um, th- that's planned. This is the, the I'm telling, going to tell you the plan part. Then the second one is going to be me and Aaron Lee Tashin, and we're going to be doing uh, songs from uh, our New York Eric. He lived with me in New York, and we did this Shaney Race truck stop every every Monday night which was Madison Square Gardeners and me and Anton Fear, the Golden Palomino-esque kind of thing with Catherine Popper on bass and, and Tony Shear on guitar. And it was crazy. It was amazing. Is that the week we'll hear McDougal's Blues, probably? No. You will not hear McDougal Blues, that one. That, That's August 9th. He actually was planning it, but then yeah, he, he just said that. He just, he, I mean, he literally exactly opened up his notebook and canceled it out. Also, so be careful what you ask for, Rob. Yeah. It'll also be some songs from Everything That's Better in the Dark with Frank French, who we've never played together live since the 688 Club. And then one of my new favorite bands, Great Peacock, is going to come. Yes. It's going to be like our, kind of be like my bed. We're just going to do a lot of improv, and it's going to be, you know, it's kind of an improv night. You know, it's um, all the nights you never know what's going to happen. Now, I've invited people to come, and um, I can't really announce who they're going to be, but. I think that a lot of people will be like, oh, you should have been there last night because so-and-so showed up. And so you will have rabbits being pulled out of your hat is what you're I saying. I definitely pulling rabbits out of my hat. And I'm also going to have a couple of magicians for when times get slow. I might have a magician come out and do a, do, a, do some shtick. I haven't really organized that totally yet, but it's going to happen. Well, Once again, it's, a, it's kind of like a, a surprise night. You know, it's a... Um, well, Wednesday night... The, the next no, on the next Tuesday night, the third one, is Kevin August sixteenth. August sixteenth. Kevin Kinney and the Asuntangle Angel Revival with Gib Droll. So that's that whole record, and then those songs that we did on that tour and stuff like that. Brian Howard. Brian Howard. Yes. Uh, Joey Huffman can't make it. He's out with Hank Williams, but um, it'll be Gib Droll and me and and uh, Dave Johnson and Brian Howard. Gib Droll on break from touring with Bruce Hornsby. Yep. Which is a great gig, and I was so happy that he yeah, got that. He's, he's blending in well with that. He's stopping by on his way up to, to record a, 
Oh, he's recording a new record or whatever, what he's doing. We'll have to ask him about that. Then the th fourth one is McDougal Blues, featuring Peter Buck. Oh! And uh, so Peter Buck is definitely going to be here. He produced the record, right? He produced it, and we have a tour behind it, so it'll be Peter with all of his magical... So, um, wonderful, wonderful song, and also the title track of his first solo. And, album. Yeah, and then um, I think maybe I think I think there might be. I don't know if this is true, if I if I can announce it or not. But I think I think there's going to be a blues jam with Colonel Bruce that night. Also, and Colonel Peter Bruce Barney. will be a magician that night, and he'll be guessing birth dates on your way in. So. Absolutely, he'll definitely <laughs> there'll be that. And then the fourth one is um, or the fifth one. August, I don't 30th. know. 30th. We just 30th. talked about 23rd. We're on to August 30th. Now. August 30th is um, uh, my friend Sammy from the Bodines is going to come. Milwaukee. Isn't Bodines Milwaukee? Me and Sammy Bodine and Thad Cockrell uh, from the leagues uh, will be doing uh, in the round grand finale kind of thing. So, kind of like the Trice Tangle so Truckers was. They'll all, right. So it'll all start with me on acoustic. And it'll build into some sort of, you know, the thing is, the, the thing about me and all the people that know me and my, is like we're open to whatever's going to happen, you know. So um, it, it's always a surprise to me, but that's what makes it exciting for me is that it's not too scripted. So, you know, um, I've invited uh, some people to come and we'll see who shows up and, you know, it'll morph. I like to introduce musicians to other musicians, so I like I like a lot of that. Like, why don't you play with him? And why don't you, you know? So you know, this is a bigger stage to do it in. I'm a little bit scared because it is a it's a pretty big room. Um, but what the heck? What, we're going to try it out, and we'll see what happens. You know? Why so. not? That's what I say. Here I say why not. I say why not too. But yeah, it's it's kind of an imp it's kind of a. It's you know if I run into a songwriter at the coffee shop, I'm gonna say, hey man, come sing a song for me tonight. You know what, what is it? Even the guest stars will do like two or three songs, and then like, you know what I mean? I mean I might run into a guy in the lobby that's like, oh man, I used to cover Iron Mountain. I'd be like, hey, come sing it for us tonight. And then you know, I play fiddle. I got fiddle in my car. It's like, okay, cool. Why don't you come play fiddle on a song? And if you're great, you know, do another one. And then so it's a little bit of a little bit of a you know like a like an improv comedy night you don't really know what's going to happen you don't know who's going to be in the audience you don't know but it, it'll be uh, it'll be something to uh, record and in the interest of maybe planting a seed i just want to say the hardworking americans are here mid-month yes i know so <laughs> more just, just I, saying more people i can't talk about but okay. that that's definitely <laughs> whoops a, a possibility too it's a very snide recom comment there. Whoops. <laughs> Where, when are the hardworking Americans going to be here? Uh, it's, it's, a hard Friday, it's a Friday mid-month around the... Okay. It, yeah. it would be between the McDougal one and the... Between the 16th and the 23rd. I will say that right. being in Atlanta... Um, being in Atlanta, this market really needs something of this caliber. When the City Winery uh, was just started, it got announced they are going to open up, came and met with Rodney and started sharing ideas about a series of this sort. And to see that you're doing this is really exciting because really this market needs that. It's hungry. It's starving 
for something that highlights musicians like you're talking about, but really opens this creative, you know, you know, speakeasy vibe. Right. Yeah, and it's also, you know, the thing that I guarantee on the auto shop thing that I do, like we did in the truck stop in New York, and, you know, I did in Nashville at the, uh, the five spot. You know, I get a five spot, I had Lydia Lunch come and do poetry, which was amazing. They'd never seen that there before. So you have, you're going to be prepared to come and maybe have some something happen that you don't expect to happen, some kind of music maybe you didn't expect that you would like, maybe some, like, spoken word or... or any there, po- there'll be all that, there'll be all that, all that happening, you know. So, and it's a comfortable Tuesday night. It's air-conditioned, so oh, that's one of my selling points. It's beautiful in here. It's air-conditioned. It's, it looks beautiful. And, um, and if you want to hear something again, just ask them to rewind it. <laughs> right, rewind. There you go. How about... We're playing Punyon again. But yeah, but you know, like, the thing is, is that sometimes you go out and see folk singers or quote-unquote whatever, and you'll and sometimes six songs is too many. Sometimes seven songs is too many. You're like, that guy was really good, but I wish he would stop. You know, like some I know some people who have three great songs. It's like play your three great songs. When I, you know, um, when I get asked to come up and sit in with somebody, I do one song or two songs, and I, I'll, I'll pick whatever I think I can sing best at that day. Is you know so. Um, is there any chance during the so residency? You never know what's going to happen. You know, you might see a girl who will steal the show. I know a guy. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you never know. What about poems about ba- baby boomers? Any chance of that? <laughs> Maybe I don't know if this audience is ready for that. Uh, Our I, audience I is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that audience, I don't know if they're ready for that one. They might actually be baby movers, so just be careful, right? Yeah. Well, I don't want to come off too aggressive. Maybe by the last one I'll do it, but I don't want to get too... You know, once you play, once you go blue, you don't play the big room. You know, that's a... That's what Andy Chernoff always told me. So, just for our listeners, search uh, Kevin Kinney one-on-one City Winery and go to the ten-minute fifty mark, and he intros this wonderful poem and then plays his song "I Wonder." It's fantastic. Oh, fun! I've watched it several times. Okay, you Can should watch it too. You might be entertained. Am I in it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably will watch it then. Uh, well, Andrew, can I can I jump from that on something you talk about? Well, on the one hand, you make fun of your voice a lot. But, yeah, but on the other hand, you say that a lot of times when you're flying, you listen to your own music. Yes, I do. So how are, can you listen? to I your like mi- to listen to myself. Okay, good. <laughs> I so, just like watching yourself, watching some a musician watching themselves on stage is like watching themselves fuck. <laughs> it's like you think you probably look like a porn star, but you probably don't want to ever see that. <laughs> <laughs> so musicians are the same way you, we're up there jamming we think we look like you know I think I look like Joe Perry yeah I look more like uh, you know Larry Mondello but you know on but, that... you know but so it's, it, I, I liked music better when it wasn't visual I liked it better when it was mostly uh, but on that though what about on the, I, always, I always think about the audience uh, side of things and the audience is staring you know it's such a thing we stare at the musicians we stare at yeah. the musicians but it's really about the sound as uh, you always say yeah. well I'm, I'm a real stickler for people talking during shows it seems to be happening more and more at shows people talking while bands are playing right yes and it can be a very frustrating it actually keeps me home and sometimes you know if it's a milk carton kids and they're playing in a room where I don't 
trust that the crowd's going to be quiet, I'm not going to spend $50 and go see them, even though they're amazing. Because $50? Wow. Well, you know what I'm saying. These are only 15 <laughs> 15 bucks, City Winery. Um, All month. Yeah, I agree, you know, but I don't, you know, um, that's why things like Eddie's Attic is pretty, is a, is a guaranteed place to see somebody who no one's going to talk. It's pretty good. It's very rare you get someone there. And we're hoping for that, you know, for here too. I think that's, this is probably pretty, yeah, you know, and I'm, and uh, you know, we're not afraid to, we're not afraid to, we, I don't call people out. What I do is I stop and I listen. Like if you're if you're talking, there's a three women talking over there about their shoes and stuff, and they're not paying attention. I'll stop and make the whole audience listen to them, and then I will join in on the conversation. Maybe learn something about like, shoes. Yeah, you should have bought that at Marshalls. <laughs> and then they'll stop and look at me. And I'll be like, "We're whenever you're done, we're good. Same shoes, fifty bucks or less. We can talk about shoes. I can do that too for an hour." <laughs> But I try not to shout down talkers. But like at Smithsville Bar, you might, not a great place maybe to do a folk show sometimes. Some for some reason when you make people sit, like we're gonna do, you know, for some reason when you make people sit down, they're quieter because they have less opportunity to like saddle up at the bar and talk, you know. So but shifting tables but, when you're playing electric, to what extent does it? change your performance when you have a, a crowd in your face dancing and when you have a crowd more mellow kind of like at a city civic free show where they're sitting in their towels and staring at you like you're on TV yeah rock and roll yeah the rock and roll does not work for me sitting I hate audiences that sit and I hate outdoor shows Woodstock fucked it up for everybody is it look cool not really Jimmy Hendrix would look a lot cooler in an arena you know <laughs> But then, uh, you know, I'm not an outdoor festival um, kind of guy. You know, I think a lot of, but I think, you know, America, if we'll, I'll go off on the tangent very quickly since you're talking about people talking about shows. Please do. I think that the Fern Bar kind of mentality where people go to some place and there's a guitar player playing and, and is he's happy to be ignored because he's background music. It kind of trains people in the yuppie, not the yuppie, but the post-modern whatever generation to ignore musicians. You know, you, you you go in and have brunch on a Sunday and there's a jazz band playing there and you're not supposed to pay attention to them. You, you're not supposed to clap for them. You're, not, you're just kind of supposed to ignore them. So then when it transfers into going to see that same thing in a bar, sometimes people just assume they're supposed to just keep their talking and not really invest themselves into what's happening. Well, for, also, and, and for an hour, you know. And so. you're also taking music out of the schools now, so uh, you, that's got to have an effect too, right? A lot of Unless, people don't uh, know how to listen to music. That's what's great about going to Holland or England or somewhere like that. People, people there are like, this didn't exist. It's nine o'clock. There's a band playing. I'm gonna watch it, and then ten, it's over. It's like people don't talk in movies. Well, <laughs> well, well, did you, well, I mean, sometimes, but you know, it's rare. It's more sometimes rare. Sometimes you want it. My wife sometimes you want people talking at movies. Or responding. My wife refuses yeah. to go to the movies on a, uh, on a Friday or Saturday night just for that reason. Definitely. But you know, yeah. But, <laughs> well, a lot of yeah. people go on weekdays but I don't in the think afternoon it's not to have really a quiet It's not a problem with me because sometimes I am, I've done, I've did so many folk shows in bars that, uh, 
people I knew they weren't going to listen. So, you know, I did my Hank Williams kind of thing. I, I buried my head down. I did my songs. And I left, and I didn't try to control the crowd because it was going to be uncontrollable. There was a TV show. So you know, you just have uh, to, the you TVs. Know. The TVs at a, a TVs do not belong in a venue. Do not call yourself a venue if there's a musician playing and a TV anywhere near them. Right. But before we move off this, I got to ask you this because I'm, I'm not anti-social media. I'm on Twitter all the time. There's a lot I like about social media. I'm not on Fbook, but I was for a while and all this. I'm not totally anti it. But is there any chance that the way everybody's kind of got their own site and and is kind of a star and a show in themselves? makes them less able to surrender themselves to the art of another because they kind of feel like they are a show themselves. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good statement. <laughs> well, we have a psychologist with us here. Uh, I, you know kidding. what? Um, you know, the social media thing is a twofold for me. It's like, it's A, it gets people out to see the live shows. And as long as it isn't keeping you inside, I think it's great. As long as it isn't, as long as you're not spending your whole life not coming out to see live music. It's important to see live music. I think it's important to watch good bands and bad bands and, 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 and you know, I'm, you know, uh, I think it's part of your, you know, having respect for music is uh, pretty important, you know. It's not a lot of people respect it, you know, it's given that it's there. It'll always be there, so you know. Um, uh, you know, I, I would say this, I see a lot of bands suffer. You know, well, but, there's a lot of very powerful people who don't understand the vibe, and it, it can slip away. You know, whether in the moment or overall, like you have to, yeah, you it's have a, to treat it with respect, like it's Mother a Nature. Whole thesis uh, about about that, but you know, I'm not part of it. I'm like, come see me. I'm not, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, but you do have a rule. Uh, I saw on the flyer it says that there's uh, the it's, the ticket price is fifteen dollars, like you said. But it, uh, under the under the price it says no Pokemon access during show. <laughs> Excellent. Good to see. <laughs> hey, in the spirit of the, point- thing, the thing I like about things like that, though, the thing that I don't I don't like about the Pokemon, or what I do like about the Pokemon, I don't know much about the Pokemon, but what I do love about it is that it's like. Is it, it makes everyone talk about something. Because back in the 70s, when I watched TV, you had three channels to watch. And, and there would be a buzz about something that happened on something, you know, on some TV show or 60 Minutes or something like that. So, you know, I, I kind of like that part of the social media where everybody starts talking about something. Because it kind of brings us all together so we can talk about it, you know. And what we don't like about it and all that stuff. So, and sometimes I mean, that's what I love about the, that's what I love about the trends and the... And that the, I mean, I like, I grew up in where people bought 45s, so I like the trend where people don't have to make whole albums anymore. I've got albums from all, from all of my friends, and I doubt I've listened to all of their, the whole record all the way through, ever. I mean, I've got Mule records that I, I just can't list. They're like 70, they're like an hour and a half long. I love them, you know, but I'll, I'll cycle through them and pick the one I like, and I'll put it on my playlist, and then, you know... Um, I've seen you talk about releasing stuff on 45, vinyl 45s. Have you been doing that? Yeah, it's, well, I, I, I have done it, but it's, too, it, uh, releasing vinyl now is just, you know, it's too, it's too late. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's the manufacturing. Back 10 years ago, you could, I could go to a pressing plant, get a record pressed, 
probably takes 30, 40 days, maybe 60. But once Urban Outfitters and everybody starts selling the entire Beatles catalog and the entire Pink Floyd catalog, where do you think they got to get those things pressed? At those places. So now you're behind, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to put an album out next week, you know. Used to be able, you could maybe do it in a month. But now it's like, yeah, you're you're behind the new Eagles box set, and you know, and we're making a million of them. So, so you know, the popularity of vinyl kind of kind of made it harder to make vinyl. So, um, what I liked about, um, you know, forty fives that they're fun to do. You you know, so I did the EP thing though, that which was my version of that, where I did five songs, one session five dollars five songs and they were all focused on one genre they're called songs the new album i have out is called the best of the songs which are the best of the four eps and the eps was a thesis it was like my graduation thesis on driving and crying it was about the kudzu circuit the first was about the kudzu circuit basically the what we grew up on the rem fetching bones you know, Love Tractor, all the people that came before us, we opened for, and our Scarborough Smarter era. It, um, it looks a little bit like the Scarborough Smarter cover. It's called Songs from the Laundromat. The second one is Exploring Our Punk Rock Roots. It's songs about cars, space, and their moans. Our punk rock, psychedelic punk rock group. Our third one is about psychedelic is a thesis on psychedelia, California psychedelia, New York psychedelia, German psychedelia, Texas psychedelia. So there's like all that's like yeah, it's the it's the thirteen four elevators, it's the Bo Brummels, it's the, the the chocolate watch band, it's you know the the creation, and then it's a little bit of craft work and all the stuff the Ur all the silver apples. It's a little bit of that. And the last one is uh, Who We Are Today, Songs from the Turntable, which only came out on a 10-inch, but it's since been released on, on a, a new format called Compact Disc. And the uh, album cover is an homage to KTEL, if anybody remembers KTEL. Yes, I, re- I, I sent the designer 12 different covers of KTEL records, oh, and really? I, said, I said, I wanted to reflect this genre. And then he did a great thing. He aged it so it looked like it's been sitting in your collection. But, but yes, yeah, so all those all those records feature Sadler Vade, and he co-produced and wrote, and did a lot of stuff on those. And that's what we're really featuring on the first night here, at the City Winery that we're doing is like, we haven't seen him in a year. We haven't played with him in over a year. So we're really looking forward to like, I'm gonna play mo- mostly acoustic on all of these shows too, you know and try to just build a band together, you know. And in the, as we talk about Drive By Crying, and you mentioned the importance of going out to see shows, uh, not only the City Winery, um, not only you at City Winery here, but you go out on the road later with them, is that correct? These dates on your website are, are Driving and Crying dates, are they not? Local 506, August 24th? Oh yeah, Chapel Hill. Yeah, we got Warner Hodges on guitar with us as, as our touring guitar player now. And he's amazing. He's from Jason and the Scorchers, and he's just, we're having a great time. 
Yeah, we're doing Chapel Hill and Rehoboth and some, I don't know, uh, Virginia. Shuba's September 7th, I wrote down. Oh, Shuba's we're doing. Yeah, going back to Shuba's. Reverb in on September 8th. Reverb in Waterloo, Waterloo, Iowa. And then uh, your return to St. Paul. When was the last time you played? Uh, Twenty in? Over 20 years. The, the I think tr- last time I played... I think last time I played in Minneapolis, I did it with Suntang Lange Revival. And they played on the most crazy day. It was opening of bow season, but also Mother's Day. So it was like there was two people at the show. So hey, it's, I, I maybe want to write a book about excuses why people aren't at your show. You know, like, what? <laughs> things to remember. Don't play on the opening of bow season and Mother's Day. So... And, and you said 20, 20 should, years. Uh, well, that's September 9th, real quick. Turf Club. Might have been more. It might have been more. It, it might have been, yeah. Yeah, it might have been the beginning of. Yeah, I don't know. I, was, I can't remember how old I am or where I am. Do you have to book around college football in the fall? Um, we used to embrace. We used to try to do Friday nights. In the, in, Friday nights are the way to do it because Saturday night, if, you're, if the team loses, you lose a lot of people. People aren't into it. But sports and rock and roll don't usually translate. Like we did the, you know, people always think like they're going to go see the Olympics and then go see a band. It's just not, you know, you sit there all day watching swimming trials. You don't really feel like going to see a rock band. Not really. But um, okay, apparently it gets some people wet, though. I guess so. What? One thing you said you played just about every city in Georgia that's over like 40,000 people, and you, you mentioned Helen, Georgia. Where did you play? In Helen, Georgia. Do you oh. remember? I mean, that's a teeny, 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 <laughs> did tiny I mountain Helen? town. I yes. don't know. How it, uh, I'm my sure ears perked. I'm sure I did something. I think, I think we did some sort of river fest. I think I might have done acoustic there on the, by the river. Did they have something in a parking lot by a river? That sounds familiar. There's that river. That I don't right know. Yeah. And I used little... to go to Helen a lot. I used to go there. I, when I first moved to Georgia, I thought that was the funniest little place. I was just like, this is like the Twilight Zone. This is amazing. And on the way in, you, uh, you pass the Cabbage Patch uh, Barn, right? You do. Or something like that. Yeah. Uh, My sister-in-law used to work there in the old days, when cabbage, before Cabbage Patches, like in the 70s. When they were just sprouting. Just, it is. Have you ever been inside there? Uh, no, no, I haven't. You ever seen them give birth to a cabbage? <laughs> Don't, man. It's scary. That is so wrong. I don't when have to be told that give, twice. When you see, you don't want to see that. And I've seen childbirth before. <laughs> and I, I, childbirth is fine, but seeing them give birth to a cabbage patch was pretty, 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 uh, pretty psychedelic. In the interest of awkward transitions, can we talk <laughs> about BR549? And are you still planning on doing a record with them? I was doing, yeah, me and Chuck Mead are talking about doing something, yeah. We're, uh, um, we wrote some songs at Todd Snyder's house, and uh, yeah, we're working on it. I'm trying to find a window where I, he can do it and I can do it together. But he's a he's a really good songwriter, and so are you. So how's that work working together? When you have is it is it more challenging when you work with a songwriter that I, good? I think we did it. We just did it in like two two song things. I had an, I had an idea for a song title and a rhythm, and he has an idea with a song title and a rhythm too. Like you know, I want to do something in a um, vein, you know, like. I want it to be like, or, you know, or, you know, like I want to do something like that, and then I have a song title, and then you just kind of go from there, you know, like, drive, you know, I want it to be about, 
you know, driving or, you know, your phone or, I don't know, whatever, girls or... It just kind of... I don't usually write with people, so it was a lot of fun. But we were on Todd's porch and, you know, we were drinking and hanging out, having some beers and smoking pot. And we just we didn't try to write the whole... You know, so we did... Yeah, Todd... Yeah, we have one on there that Todd helped write. I can't... But Todd is really a genius, so, you know. He's able to pull words out of just, like, like you know, just out of yeah. clouds. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm trying to find a place for it, but I've got, I think I might have some other... I'm not sure what I'm doing with it yet, but... He's, he's fascinating, too. I, I read his book. As a matter of fact, on a Saturday... Who, I, Chuck Bean or uh, Todd? No, Todd. I sat oh, yeah. down and started writing his book on a Saturday, and I hate to run counter to what I just said, but I ended up staying home and not going out to see music and finishing the book. It's... Uh, well, that's okay. It's you a, don't have to go see music, but when you, you do, you have to shut up. Uh, yes, I agree. Oh my God! I think, I think that just encapsulated that whole segment. Uh, <laughs> For the but, dress room later, listeners. But yeah, that's we'll a good. That it's there. a good book. He, yeah, it's a good little rant uh, book that he wrote. Yeah, you know, he tells a story in there about me signing baseball cards, and I was like, oh, I don't remember that at all. Talk, could, could you talk more about the, your experience in the Netherlands and meeting people like Tim Knoll, who? Uh, I got to see you play with on the uh, Rock and Roots. Guys, look it up on YouTube. It's Kevin Kinney and um, Tim Knoll, K-N-O-L-L. It's K- actually in, in Holland you spell it, you pronounce it Knoll. Knoll. Tim Knoll. Tim Knoll. It's on YouTube. It's beautifully and shot. We re-recorded one of his songs for our first EP that we did on uh, for the songs period called Clean Up. Clean up the mess you made. It's a great, great song. I, I have to learn how. To. Okay. Sadler's gonna have to teach me how to play it again. Um, well, Netherlands is also where you were told to hit the gym once, right? What's that? Someone told you that a club owner was real friendly, except at the end. No, it's... just some fan was like, uh, "Your show tonight was fantastic, but perhaps maybe I don't know. Maybe you should do some sit-ups." Yeah, <laughs> I get that a lot too. <laughs> also, you... I don't know. It's you know. They're just very honest over there, but, you know, they listen, and it's, you know, I mean, I wish that the crowds were younger. I mean, they, they've they aged with us, you know, but, um, you know, um, uh, it's great playing with Tim because Tim has a very young crowd. Tim's super, he's like only 25 or something like that, and he won the Dutch Grammy. It's called Edison there for Best New Artist, and, um, you know, he's, he's one of these music guys that he's really takes it seriously he's really well versed in what came before and who he owes allegiance to and you know that's important you know a lot of people don't I think my biggest problem with whatever the aught generation was is their lack of concern about where things came from um, when I was a punk rocker Bruce Springsteen in 1977, 78. When I would read interviews of Springsteen or the Ramones or something, they would say, oh, you should listen to the Shirelles or, you know, this is really, you know, I wouldn't be anything without Eddie Cochran or, or Gene Vincent and, you know, you read things like that or, and you go, okay, and then you go on and you buy Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran then that lead, leads you down the rabbit hole where you're like, you're interested in Music, and then when they actually, you know, those people were actually still alive in the 70s. You could see Marcus Van Story and Ray Smith and, Car- and Warren Smith and people like that. 
you could see these guys come to your town and oldies acts, and they were. It was weird because it was like 1977, and you looked at these guys like they were from the 30s, but they really were from like 1961, which is only like 15 years ago, back then. And now you look at things like Kurt Cobain died like 20 years ago, you know. So, you know, I just, you know, I, I, it's hard to, you know, like like Nick Drake is a perfect example. Like you see some great kid doing this. Yeah, man, that was a lot like Nick Drake, and they're like, yeah, never heard of him. <laughs> so I don't know if they're gonna go out and check him out or not, or that, that, you know, here he got that from Wilco, or I don't know, where did he get? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just the music. I think that we're sorely lacking in musical history, where things come from, which is where you know, Colonel Bruce is kind of like people need to. That guy was has direct lineage to Zappa and Tim Buckley and you know Sun Ra, Sun Ra and you know and uh, Sam Sam Rivers and he was I mean, buddies with Bobby Blue Band's guitarist. He's yeah he's been in he's been in loft parties in 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 you know in New York City back in the early seventies and late you know late sixties. I mean, I go out to dinner with him once a month just to hear a story, just to learn about. Keep my the stories are the best. That's keep probably, my ears open and my mouth shut, and and listen to listen to him, and then I go home and you know buy a record by him, or you know. Uh, we're working on a series. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but you'll appreciate this. It's uh, eating your way through Atlanta with Colonel Bruce Hampton, and we just go and we go to There restaurants, go. and whoever's you know in town will come out with us, and we'll go to the restaurant and just get Bruce. You know, <laughs> the stories are just the best. But before we get off, there Tim, you go. That'd be a good idea. I like that idea. There was another thing that impressed me about Tim Knoll because I've been to Europe with a friend of mine, a singer-songwriter named John Shane, and one of the things that he found most difficult when he first started playing was not the performance, but the talking in between. And on this video, it's only Tim's second time in the U.S. He played Charlotte and then played this gig, and yet he already has found a way to communicate with this audience that's completely from another country. Oh. How was it for you the first times you went to Europe, and and how how do you change how you talk to the crowd and stuff? When you're I try not to talk too much. I know I, I don't so know if some of my sense of humor translates, but they speak great English over there. I mean, you know, he beat me in friends, words with friends the other day. Wow! <laughs> but still, sarcasm. Like, I'm can sure be... I'm glad this isn't in Dutch because I would not <laughs> be able to. You'd be a blowout. Uh, but um, um, you know that you know I try not to talk too much. I, you know, I try to always talk when I, when I want to or I have to. You know, be, um, I think I try not to tell the same story too many times. Um, I think talking is uh, is the is the bane of the folk singer. I think a lot of folk singers should just play. So I always tell them to shut the folk up. Because you see, because he shut the folk up. Because like you know, Todd does it really well. And uh, Arlo does it really well. Some people do it really well, and then some people, like sometimes I'll I'll just stumble, and I won't be able to like I'm seeing what I want to say, and I'm just not really it's not really translating. I like sometimes I just don't say a word, you know. Um, but over there, some you know sometimes your sense of humor doesn't translate. I understand that completely. <laughs> I, I got to say, I'm a long time fan of Arlo, and I love his stories. Of course, he is one of the best at it. 
but if you go see Arlo Guthrie three, four nights in a row, you're probably going to see the same stories. Whereas if you go see right. Kevin Kinney three or four nights in a row, you're very unlikely to see the same story. And I mean, there's a beauty to that. So, so what if you stumble? Just like we were talking about the podcast thing. So what if right. we stumble here and there? At least we are, have, are creating a, a mellow yeah. vibe and stretching out. And I like Kecklers. <laughs> you know. Um, they can lead well, to poems. Thank, I thank you. Uh, well, I try not to do the same show ever twice. And even the same song the same way twice. If I can, if I can get away with it. You know, Driving Crying will deconstruct songs and, uh, every night. Make them longer. Make them quieter. Start them acoustic. Start them. Straight to Hell can start off, you know, just like, or it can just start off me singing, or me just like, or just. What's the, the, the reggae version? And then there's the reggae uh, version. Yeah, when was that? You, the the you played it once. So Go ahead, yeah. I'm going straight to hell. It's like my mama said, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going straight to hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. There needs to be a band do it for me. I don't, I don't want to have to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, hardworking Americans, they're, 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 they're pulling the plow for me, man. They're doing straight to hell for me, so... <laughs> And uh, Nora Jones did it in a, in a, There's a video of that on YouTube That's oh, pretty good I gotta good. check that out So The fact that you do that over the years though Kind of trains your audience You've developed an audience that cherishes that You know what I mean? And actually looks for it Wouldn't you say? I mean you don't have a lot of people I think so You know I like Scarborough Smarter I have a different You know I have the I have the And then I also have It's the same words Different chords hmm. You know, I have keys to me. Keys to me, keys to me, and then I have. And I have a folk version of it. Um, Is that part of reading an audience? When will you on the fly decide which way to do it based I on? I had a radio show in the morning. I had a capo somewhere. I just decided I didn't feel like singing in that key, so I changed it. That's usually what happens. I have a Fly Me Courageous. I have a couple of Fly Me Courageous versions. I have my, I have my hippie jam band version. Got you on the loop. I let you groove in. I got you on the beat. I let you groove in. Won't you take my place? And long ago I wandered. I got that version. That's about 20 minutes too short to be the jam band. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's too well. And then I have the, uh, uh, and then I have the, uh, sometimes I do the Fly Me Courageous, I do the, like the Ventures version, you know, all instrumental. So I don't know, you know, it changes. You'll probably hear a, li a little bit of all that this week. McDougal Blues, sometimes I do it, Capoit. Add a verse to it. I have a new verse at the end. Sometimes I add to it. So, so you mentioned radio gig. Um, that Eric von Hester that I mentioned, the Scarred but Smarter documentary, which by the way he very very kindly made available to me. And check out Eric V online. He has his own podcast. He's on WSB on Sundays now. Yeah. T Tim Anders from um, 
yeah. from the regular Radio guys. guys is back with him. Uh, well, he has his own podcast called The Radio oh, Labyrinth. Oh, Any people who are movie junkies, you need to listen to this podcast. Any mm. who are listeners, uh, former listeners to The Regular Guys, you need to hear episode five, Radio Labyrinth. But anyways, how did you feel the document? I think it's an amazing documentary. Did you feel it was an accurate portrayal? Uh, was there any backlash? Not, did, did any people not like parts of it? Well, Tim didn't like some parts of it, but then those, those parts are gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have edited versions. No, but we have a... Yeah, we all had our little, a few people who had to take some things out that were just, you know, name dropping some people that, you know, whatever, didn't want to be name dropped or just old girlfriends or things like that. Um, I think it's, you know, I mean, it's, I don't watch it, but I mean, I think I, I didn't make it. I like it. I think it's, um, I guess it's like, uh, pretty honest you know I dug it I mean it's impossible to tell the story <laughs> all the way through but he's a fan and he enjoyed and I wanted to just be there for him because I, I, I just gave him full access I, I said I have no idea how to do this I'll be there and say whatever you want me to you know be you can interview me in my house and I don't want to go out in public and do it but I'll, you can talk you know whatever Here's my phone book, and I'll tell all my friends if they want to talk to you. That'd be cool. And I think the Peter Buck stuff is really good. Yeah, I think he's the best, and I think I think he's one of the best. And I think because he was there from the very first four-person show on, you know, um, and I think the outtakes of that probably there probably a lot more of those. Um, but I was, you know, I'm honored. I guess is what I'm trying to hem and haw about. Has it fueled the band's popularity? I'm care to do it. If I was going to do a Jeremy Crying documentary, it would definitely be a puppet show. <laughs> and it would be, you did on all the points, but it would be definitely somewhere between the Thunderbirds and Howdy Doody. Oh, um, <laughs> goodness. You know. Uh, have you ever watched how we how, I would how, have a, you know. Weird. Weird show. I would do like a stop. You know, somebody, you know, like Davy the dog, you know, Davy and Goliath, something like that. Uh, you know, I would be like uh, this uh, um, Frosty Snowman or Rudolph. Kind of Maybe like throw that. a Gumby kind of. Do a little bit of that, a little psychedelic version. It's impossible to tell a story of 30 years uh, without it being a Netflix binge watch, you know. But you feel like it's fueled the band's popularity at all? I mean, the, it, I, I, the on, my only regret, my only regret about it is that towards the end of us making it, we were starting to make these EPs, and I wish I would have had that. I wish I would have kept rolling to catch all the EPs because that was really what was interesting to me was that we made these deconstructed. I came up with this idea about deconstructing driving and crying and doing these EPs and using different cities and different producers and that's really this so I feel like we kind of everyone was in place to catch this story about what was happening but we're too we're talking about the past and trying to recall mm -hmm. things that we did and, and you know um, you know I don't you know it's you know, I don't know how you describe how, what you've done over 30 years in a band. You know, there's a lot of scrabble. There was a lot, you know, there's a lot of sound checks. On, you know, like I got mad once at Spin Magazine. They wanted to, like, 
We've never really been in a mega, big magazine, you know, big article, except for like, a, you know, Kerrang or something in England. But like, um, I remember Spin Magazine wanted to come out with us. We were like on tour, opening for somebody in the amphitheaters. And I was like, no, you missed, you just missed the fucking story. Last year we were driving around in a van, we're loading our own gear, you know, the things are happening. You just missed the story. Now now we're just sitting in some locker room waiting to go play a 30-minute set. Before the Who? At 7 o'clock. Is that something. the Who tour? It might have been the Who tour, but, well, that would have been who? a little more interesting. But um, it was probably Skinner or Bad Company or something like that. I was like, no, I, I don't want you to come. <laughs> well, can, uh, I don't, I, you know, there's no, nothing, you're going to see anything that makes any sense. Last year, when we needed you to, you know, if you were on the show, The Rise of a Rock and Roll Band, jump in the van with us and see us play Tuesday nights in Salt Lake City and The Struggle and, you know, uh, there's so much hard work that goes into a band and so much, so much patience and there's so much over the next mountain, 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 maybe over the next mountain. And then, you know, you're dealing with, you're living with five, six men for months at a time without their families and even before they had families, their girlfriends or their favorite, you know, and there's no coffee. There's no, you're drinking coffee out of, you know, you're getting powerhouse candy bars out of a vending machine. There's no, there's no truck stops. There's no any, there's, you know, there's, that's the story. That's what I was trying to say was like, you missed the story. Like. No, it's everything in my, the, just watching the homogenization of America from 1985, from we, when we started to 1995, to 2005 to 2016. It's there's a Dollar Tree and a and a and an auto parts store next in every. You wouldn't know. You could drop me off, and I would totally believe I was on Lawrenceville Highway, and I might be in. <laughs> Utah or something, you know, I'm like, I don't know where I am anymore. Everything's the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very little, uh, they've erased culture, you know, there's been a, you know, they want us to all think alike and all be alike, and they, it's easiest, easier for them to sell us their their things and to use it, have them use our credit cards, and we just, you know, everything, it's just, there, there's no culture anymore, you, you know. That's why I love that baby boomer poem, and and also <laughs> also the visa the the uh, this, the the bit you do on um, on not using credit. pre-approved pre-approved pre-denied. Yeah, pre-denied. yeah, I mean, if you really yeah. want to start a revolution for one day in America, if you could get everybody in America, at least the underground, at least the people, whatever, to not use a credit card for one day, if you could get ten million people to not use a credit card for one day. It would. They would reflect. You know, I would just like to know the numbers of the. The they should respect us. The the credit card companies, they prey on young students. They prey on young people. They 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 force them to carry. They back them into a corner. Young people with student loans and things like that, and they force them to borrow the money. And they want and they're begging you to borrow the money. No, can a 55-year-old man get a credit? Probably it would be impossible. But if I was 21, I could probably get $2,000, $3,000 line of credit. I don't, 
I taught my children not to use credit cards. I don't, do I don't believe that? in credit cards. Yeah. It's a chump move. It's a chump move. They have debit cards now. If you don't have the money, you, if you don't have the money, save for it. Not only will you enjoy it more when you do get it, but you won't be paying 20, 30, 40% more for it. And it's, it's a chump move to use your credit card when you don't, you know, if you need it for an emergency or medical things, I would say that, you know, you got no way out. That's great, you know. But um, I'm all about trying to, you know, trying to get them to get, in, get people to, to, I don't know. It, it all goes back to tuition and, and all these other things that are messed up with America. Hey, quick. I'm doing my little part to just try to draw awareness to it because I don't really have the means to start a revolution, but like pre-approved, pre-denied. It's, just, it's like, you know, just how stupid do you think I am, you know? Think twice before you... Think twice before you buy something that's less than $100 for, you know... And you don't really need it. You don't really need it. You don't need that. You don't need it. You feeling that one right now? What's that? You feeling that pre-approved? Song? Yeah. Do you want me to sing that one for sure. you? Sure. I'll sing that one. I use a change from my kitchen drawer. I buy an off-brand soda from the corner store. I've been pinching every dime. Squeeze of hearts to buy us time I'm afraid to check the mailbox Cause between the bills the collectors hide With their promises and giveaways They tease me with their credit line I'm pre-approved, pre-denied, pre-approved, pre-denied. Where the working class is under attack. You play by the rules and you pay your tax. And the politician says, we know you. Just so they can get elected And then they hide behind their walls Calls Their balls You gotta work two weeks just to pay the rent I gotta work three days to keep the lights on I gotta work two days just to get to work I gotta work one day just to pay their fines With what's left I gotta feed the children With what's left I gotta dress the children With what's left I gotta find another job With what's left I gotta find a life Somewhere in between Pre-approved, pre-denied, 
pre-approved, pre-denied. Got a letter in the mail the other day. It said, Dear Mr. Kinney, you are pre-approved. I didn't want to be rude, so I wrote them back. Dear Visa, fuck you. Just how stupid do you think I am? Beautiful. That's the story you're talking about. I try to remember, when I first wrote it, it was like, the kids don't know the way it was. Way before I went to war. I don't have time for VA lines. Something like that. It was about... It's about a guy who came back from war and was like, yeah, that, I'm going to find that lost verse one of these days. Something that's something that standing in line of VA lines. The kids don't mind. They just, you know, it was, I'm try, I was trying to... Soldiers don't look like soldiers when they come back. I wish there was some sort of... That's a good point. ...little pin that said, I serve. Because so many times, not that I'm disrespectful of people, but I would... I think that we should, you know, uh, appreciate them, these people who do- donated their services. And a lot of these kids, the first wave of the war, that first wave after 9-11, was filled with a bunch of people from the reserves. And the reserves were like... That was like something you did every once a week and a month. And these guys got thrown from the reserves into like four duties, three or four duties of service. That's the first part. Then the second part was like when they when they were recruiting people, they recruited them from small towns like Op, Alabama and whatever, you know. And these kids have two options in life, the dollar store, Burger King, or you can get a college education and your mom won't have to have that bill over her head if you come and serve for us. And they spent three or four duties over there. And I know there's that millions, of, there's just thousands of people walking around me every day that I don't, they don't look like they've served. And I, I just would, you know, I, um, some sort of identifying. That's kind of what that was about. Was like, you know, this guy is like, the, I'll rant a little bit more about the way they took advantage of families that were serving, of, of to repossess houses and, and cars and shit from soldiers who are like in debt, you know, you know, because they're, they're gone and serving our country. And these mega, you know, don't get me started on who's making the billions of dollars. And I mean, all the seven sisters should have got together and made, you know, figured out what it, every soldier earned and they, everyone should have got a dividend check. Every soldier should have got a $300,000 check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's like $2 trillion. Yeah, it is, asshole. It is. <laughs> I mean, invest, you know, profit share. <laughs> Shell oil and Whoa. all you assholes. So you know that's that's the tragedy of what 
they wouldn't even dare give that to one person because they gave it to one they have to give them to all which they should do you know that war that war was about about profit Profit, 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 profit. Well, and also often the shame profit, is that profit, 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 a lot of the profit. people that push the hardest for the war in the first place also don't back the bills that can support do right, things for the vets afterwards. And they don't take care of soldiers when they come home. You know? There's no reason some guy should kill himself because he, he's behind in his bills or he's mm-hmm. depressed. And, and uh, There should be some place. We should have VA centers. We should have VA centers in every state in this country that look like the Mall of America, where they can go and get great service quickly. It's it's comfortable. It's just it's more people. like Google. Yeah, Google. <laughs> yeah, basketball courts and everything. Yeah. And getting back to you, it's one of the things I like about that "I See Georgia" song because you play it. It's inspired by being on the road, and you play it, and you get through it. But then sometimes you tell the story about how you know, fuck my homeless, you know, homesickness. What about the soldiers over there? Yeah. Sitting there in their tents, right. listening to REM, you know, going, Ooh, I can't wait to get home. Right. But, you know, I think that it's just like the, 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 the race and everything else in America. I think when you're sitting in a, comfortably in a bar or in your home, you just forget it. It's we forget too easily. I told people a couple of weeks ago, like, when that, the, the thing in Orlando happened, I said, trust me, three weeks from now, no one will care. They were like, no, man, that's not true. I was like, what's everyone talking about today? You know, that's why, that's why, that's why bills don't get passed, and that's why... Well, uh, unfortunately, why, all you know, stories are getting trumped right now. True, very true. This guy is a punion. He's, a, yes. he's your punion guy. Right, yeah. Um, he gets paid by the pun, so that's a dangerous there thing. There you go. That's true. It is, it is a little bit of that, but also, you know, main, main thing... Who's your congressman? And do you have their email address? They get voted on every two years. Who's your congressman? You know what? This whole Trump, Hillary thing, whatever. It is what it is. You know, it's a race war. It's almost like I want Trump to get elected just to make people wake the fuck up and be like, see? Shit can really get bad. Too dangerous. Too dangerous internationally. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. More and more people are figuring that out. I don't. I don't think. I, don't think, I think they will. But you know. But you know what? You gotta vote for your congressman. You gotta vote for your. Gotta know who you're. Who's representing you? Your alderman. Your congressman. People don't care about. It's a Georgia show. It's a beautiful song. Is there any way you'd play a little of a, on the heels of that conversation, a little bit of I See Georgia? I guess. I don't really know it that well, but... So don't, uh, don't read along with your song lyrics at home. (laughs) It's just a podcast, man. That's that's how it was supposed to start. It started on the record when it went... My dad was like, who was like Honeysuckle Blue? Because I saw this band do Honeysuckle Blue and they got it totally wrong. And I was like, oh, I'm stealing that. Because <laughs> they you know, because Honeysuckle Blue was, this was like, and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm stealing that. 
So that's what I did for that. That's how that song starts off. That's why it's, it's an homage to Honeysuckle. It's an homage to a band playing on a patio, walking down the street in Athens, playing Honeysuckle Blue wrong. But that's on the, <laughs> that's the original version, though, right? What's that? That's the original version. That's the homage that you were talking that's about. That's what you hear on the album, yeah. Right, but the way you do it now is kind of an the homage do is, down by the river a little? It's, no, because the, the, this version is the homage to Patterson Hood, who I asked to produce it, and he didn't have time. He was going to be... I wanted him to produce this version of it. So this is my homage. If Patterson Hood would have come in and said, I think this is how I'd like to do it. So this is my trucker's version nice. of my... Of my Music history. If you're gonna do truckers, you gotta know. Yes, it's Neil Young, because there. You know, so it's a little bit of that. I'm southern bound and homesick. I'm out here on my own. One more truck stop, one more morning route. I've been dialing down this radio I'm looking for that song I'm looking for that song To bring me home I see Georgia Every time I hear that song Playing on this whole radio I see Georgia Every time I Sing, sing that song now just to bring me home. You know, I know the difference now. Do you remember how this goes? this dream I just woke up half a world away and I was sitting here listening to you in a European bar the night that I heard Deacon Lunchbox died I see Georgia every time I hear that song playing on this whole Radio. I see Georgia every time I hear you sing. Sing that song now just to bring me home. Sitting in an old bar in Seattle one day, listening to the staring at my whiskey someone puts the Allman Brothers in a jukebox and I see Georgia I was sitting in a bar down in Costa Rica in Montezuma I just ordered some pan fried barracuda I was drinking a beer and Collective Soul came out on the radio 
That should be our state song. Can we make Something that happen? Like that. How do we make that? It's Nathan Deal. Is that his? Call? How do you make it a state song? You yeah, go. we got to call your congressman to start. <laughs> you, you go. Dream of magnolias, a dream of dogwoods too. Have you been to Callenwald? <laughs> you have to name drop the Ferris wheel downtown. Is that thing ridiculous or not? They put this Ferris wheel in the middle of all these buildings. And they have <laughs> VIP carts, too. You can VIP. do a VIP Ferris wheel ride. I cannot believe anybody who does that. Well, it gets hot in Atlanta, and they are air-conditioned, so, you know. I think that's a, little... a good point, on, actually. They should have put it on top of the CNN Center, so it was like, <laughs> I could be a, you're like, you ever been to Vegas? Well, aren't they doing something ever... here uh, like that? How it's part of the skyline, you mean? You ever oh, been to Vegas? Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. seen the stratosphere, the roller coaster yeah. on top of the... that. Now that... That's a... Uh... That's they're they're doing a roller coaster on the top here, a Pont City Market. They're doing a roller coaster. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, no, absolutely. Sp- or something like that, right? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, well, it's not going to be. It's not no. going to be anything as spectacular you, as that. I think, you might, I think they're just moving the pink pig here. Oh, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to bring the big chicken next too. Yeah, they're going to bring the big chicken and the pink pig and. <laughs> I remember I went to the Mall of America with my wife, and we went to the lockers, and we're putting our stuff in the locker, and the freaking roller coaster comes right down, oh, like really? three feet from your head. I almost had a heart attack. Wow. Man, it was pretty scary. There is a roller coaster in the Mall of America. Now, speaking of heart attacks, I want to bring up something. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. It's something that... It, it, you've, uh, we talked about war in this uh, episode. We've talked about a lot, of, a lot of things, but one of the things about personal war... Um, I want to just talk about addiction for a second because I think your story is something that could be shared to others. And, and, and the point I want to make on it is you struggle with addiction. Uh, you know, you're a true rock and roller. You've, you've gone through things. You've, you've had your ups and downs. You've put yourself on, on pause. I don't know if you went to AA or what you may have done. But you're able, you've come out of it where you're able to still be social and still it, it's, it, it's not uh, – it doesn't – You don't have to completely remove yourself from the situations that provide well, the temptation. I'm not, I'm not sober. Um, like Warner Hodges is sober, mm-hmm. like you no know, drugs, no alcohol. I am a, I, uh, I can have a couple glasses of wine. You know, I'm not, I, I was never a drunk. I was never an alcoholic. Uh, but I, when I found cocaine, boy, I did my share and everyone in this room share. <laughs> and, uh, with the vampires, it was all part of, it was a, yeah, you can, that's right. Yeah, you can, it's actually kind of true. Like I can spot a cokehead a mile away. You know, it's because it's like, it's like I'm, I am like a vampire. I can like, I can tell someone's high. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm. It's hard not to judge. You know, people. Uh, 
Uh, I don't. I try not to, just to protect myself. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I did a lot of. I did. I, it, you know what it was? It was. It was a. It was an. It was um, the rock and roll lifestyle. And I actually, I think it's more. It's a cautionary tale, more about lifestyle mm-hmm. and ego, and and um, trying to. When you take a bunch of misfits, <laughs> like our rock and roll people are. We're we're all pretty much screwed up somewhere in parenting or, or schooling or size or crooked teeth or whatever it was that brought you made you an outcast. Then you take all these outcasts and they and they, in art, outcasts gravitate towards each other. So you usually wind up with four or five outcasts that are in a band, and and we're all different outcasts, you know, but we, and we all have our own story, you know, and. And what happens is, like, you become mainstream where the there was a moment in, in Dramedy Crying World where we were, like, accepted by everybody. The jocks, every, everybody. You go to the airport, they're like, they recognize you and things like that. Then you get into this mentality of when you do drugs, like, you start doing cocaine because that's really what rock bands are supposed to do. And you kind of live up to it and people forgive you for it. They not only they kind of forgive you for it, they kind of expect you to be fucked They give. Up. They give. It's part but of just, you know. It becomes free. It's yeah, they free. just hand it it's to you, cheap. right? It's cheap. And, you, and you're like, oh, they really like me. They wanted me to do cocaine with them. And that's a really fancy thing. Let's do some fancy drugs together. And then you do that. And then you... And then, um, but I was super lucky that I did um, a lot in one summer. Like I didn't do I did cook I did it probably in ninety one to ninety two, but I did like I said, I did a lot of it. Like I you're did, talking like days disappearing I'm kind doing of thing? Like, no, I'm saying I functioned all day and then after I'd be in the studio, leave the studio at eleven at night, I would do an eight ball. Oh my gosh. And then I would go to bed at eleven or ten in the morning, nine or ten in the morning. I would do an eight ball of coke by myself. Then I would eat like a two pizzas and a bottle of Jack Daniels to come well, down because well, 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 you're trying to come down. Because I don't like to be high, so I would be really high, and then I would like try to balance it with like f- food and liquor. Are you forcing the pizza down because it doesn't really make you hungry, does it? I don't know. It depends. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It depends <laughs> wow. on good the coke is. I guess. <laughs> I don't. Re- I don't remember. But maybe laxatives are but easy. You're in a, to eat but the you're pizza in a really. Right? You're in a. You're in a. You're in a terrible cycle. Right. You know, and then it's just, and then like you're really proud of yourself when you take like a day off. You're like, yeah, man, I'm clean. Yeah, I'm not addicted. I'm not addicted. I, I know I, I didn't do it in like 24 hours. Yeah. I see what I you're building to. You get so proud of yourself for taking a day off, you use it as justification to do it the next <laughs> yeah. day. And 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 what happened with me was my band had not an intervention. They were just like, you know, between the band and my girlfriend at the time, were like, just look at your. This is such a waste. You're just, this is a waste. Look at yourself. And I had a epiphany, and I, I slowed down a lot, and then, um, and then I did a, like a, a rehab. My, but my rehab, my detox was, I went to Seattle where my father lived, and I lived with him on his couch for a week, and then Peter Buck drove me. We re- rented a car. And he drove me on all back roads from Seattle to Vegas and back. 
So it's, he's like, let's go to Vegas. I'll, I'll buy a bunch of cassettes. I don't know if we had CDs then or not. No, just for, I'm just had CDs. Detox and then, and, and so I kind of detoxed in the like in this car. And then once I got back to Georgia, we did something called the Smoke Jam or something. It was a really stupid show that we took a lot of money to do at Lakewood, which is not a... We wanted to get Jason Scorchers, and the, we wanted this big... It was kind of like this ego fest. It was kind of like, here's everybody that we used to open for and let them open for. I don't know. It was really... <laughs> oh, no. It was totally <laughs> fucked up, and it was not a fun... It's not, it's not, wow. it's not my... Uh-huh. I... That's I was, not like you at all. I was well. I was. It wasn't my thing. Right. I, I was too fucked up to stop it. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. That's what. Yeah. That's where that rabbit hole comes in. Yeah. yeah but what advice and you, would and you, you become? Okay. What advice do yeah, to, I? To the to the musicians that well, are I young and coming through. I tell my son, through. no pills, no powders. <laughs> <laughs> if you can just not take any pills and not take any, you know, I don't really have advice um, because everybody's different. I think, I think the best advice is to talk to your friends, to have friends, and. To be honest with your friends, and talk, talk, talk things out, and at, you have to. My advice is not really advice; it's just a fact that cocaine owns you, heroin will own you. It's not an if, and, or a but. It will own you. It's very, very powerful. And it, once you start it, you can't stop it. And it, yeah, there's a weird one percent of one percent of guys who can do a little whatever, whatever. Here's my other thing: if you don't want to, if you don't feel like cocaine is that important, or you know, you just it's a fun drug. Let me tell you something, man. You worrying about eat, drinking purified fucking water, and you're worried about eating non-gluten and GMO corn, that shit is filled with murder and blood. You're putting that shit in your fucking body, man. That's not a fucking joke. That's some serious bad karma you're putting inside your fucking body. Plus, who knows what it's cut with, right? There's that too, but I'm just saying, the karma involved in it... Right. That's no joke, man. Kind of say that for jewelry, though, too. Couldn't you? Well, not know. silver, maybe diamonds. I get, you know, whatever, whatever you're in. <laughs> and and then you mentioned your son. But though. I, you know, I just think that it's. I I don't think you should do. I, I I'm totally against it. I'm I'm 100 percent against um, self medicating yourself and all that shit. Can I? I think marijuana is okay, but it's too strong now. It's like <laughs> I'm right. I'm trying to write a rock opera called Mexican Dirtweed about. The search for the huge bag of shitty weed from Brown the seventies, because yeah. that was like the best weed ever. You could smoke it all day, and you never really got high. It smelled good, got a little bit of a buzz. They have that in, in Jamaica still. Well, there you go. <laughs> one more reason to go, I guess. I don't know. But one of the approaches I've taken when trying to talk to people and, and get them to that space where they make a change in their life is that um, one constant when I talk to people who are recovering, who are fully recovered and sober is that they get to a euphoria that eclipses what these drugs bring you and doesn't go away. It's kind of a little more ever-present. Would you say that's accurate? And do you think that would help woo anyone? No, I mean, I, I, for me, I just said, I, I, you know, I fucking met the devil. It was just so bad. It, everything sucked. It was the, everything was upside down and terrible, and it was just gross. Everything, everything, your, 
everything about everything about being at the bottom of the barrel was mm-hmm. was was terrible. And you just wanted to get out of it as quick as you could. That, and, that was that was what I was blessed to have. That a lot of people don't. Like I say, I'm not a counselor. I tell you what keeps me from doing it: the karma involved in it, the mm-hmm. money where the money goes keeps me from doing it. Mm-hmm. Supporting, I don't feel bad about buying a little reefer from somebody because I feel like it's naturally grown. Most of it now, it, the money goes to whatever. That they've they've fixed that a little bit. From I hope I don't know. I don't know. I don't smoke that much reefer, but um, yeah, same thing. And then, but you know, the constant argument is that. Well, what about you know Coca Cola and things like that? It's like, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm, pick your battles. You know, I think Coca Cola. I think high. You know, high fructose, high fructose corn yeah. syrup should be illegal, but I don't know how you start that train. That, right. You know, I don't even. The best thing to do as a human being is vote with your money. If you don't want high fructose corn syrup in your house, don't bring high fructose corn syrup in your house. <laughs> Make Kool-Aid. Use a cup of sugar and some shitty whatever. Buy some key limes and a cup of sugar. I don't know. Figure it out. You know. Key limes, not key bumps. But vote, vote, vote with vote with your money. Vote with your conscience. Vote with the, vote with you know, bo- you know, boycott places that you don't think have your best interests at heart. And by the way, just vote. Headcount.org. Vote. Hey, I want to ask you about the um, Flower in the Knife era, because there's a lot of artists on that CD that will probably be guests on the show. Well, I, no, I don't know about that. I would love to. Well, you got to. Warren. You oh, got on your Ochoa. show. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, on your show. Yeah. <laughs> See, that was a really great era, because what happened was I ran into, P- I ran into Warren in, uh, in, in uh, the show The Mule was playing at St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit. And I said, I really want to make a really quick folk record. He said, oh, we should do that at Water Music. He said, they got an apartment upstairs. You can live upstairs. So that record was a great. We made it in three days. Huh. Three, I think we made it in three days. And then, and then he mixed it. That took three days. That was fucking fast. It was great. But I went there the first night. Warren met me at the studio. I played him like 20 songs. He went home, listened to him, came back, said, these are the ones we're going to do. I said, great. He gave me uh, Jerry Garcia's guitar or something like that. I don't know, something that I couldn't nick. And I'd play the songs, and sometimes he would play with me and live, like some of the songs he's playing live. And luckily, the f- um, the Frog Winds or? Frog Wings. Frog Wings. They were doing the stuff at Wetlands, right? They were doing a residency at Wetlands. So every night we got one of them. Every morning we got one of them. It was like, hey, O'Teal, give me like bucks we come over <laughs> so it was like we got jimmy and otiel and derek to come on one day and we did the kirouac song that kirouac so what's great is like you see this thing that says uh and evan mckay was a frog wing too wasn't he yeah and popper was too Ed, all the frog wings, everybody on there. Ed, introduce you guys first, right? You and Warren first, the first time? Wasn't it through Ed McCain? No, no, I met, no. I met Warren, Warren's uh, wife, Stephanie, was one of my A&R people at Island. Oh. I met Warren because Warren was Stephanie's boyfriend. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so when you get, when you look at that track, you go, check out this track, man, it's called Kerouac. It's got Jimmy Herring. Derek Trucks, Warren Haynes, O'Teal, 
Kevin Kenny. And you're just thinking, this is going to be a monster track. And then you're like, it's like. <laughs> and Jimmy's just going. It's very, very kernel of you guys. And uh, so it's really great. It's one of my fa favorite songs. But Warren's son, Warren tells me all the time his son, it's his son's favorite song. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, a great, that was a great little moment of going to New York and. I was in between, you know, I was kind of, a girl was breaking up with me, I didn't know it, but I felt it. So there's a lot of like, so it's, uh, some of those uh, heartbreaking. But there's a great song, my favorite song on there. I just, I think, I'll sing one more song for you, is that good? Sure, yeah, One more? Yeah. Then I think I'm, I better go to the house pretty soon. Are we pretty close? Sure. So this one, I'm going to put this one, because this is my favorite one on that record. Back time, distinguished in its place, but out of place and out of time, it seems like such a waste. The belief that I could fix the past is very hard to take, but soon I learned to pack it in a box of wheat. You let it cure like fine red wine in. Settle in its place But soon the words will spill right out And vanish on the peach Whatever were you thinking Whatever did you know Whatever were you looking for When you hit the road Whatever were you seeking Whoever did you see Whatever were you looking for before you found me Taking back I walked the floor of this old house With many lives And I listened to what came before The carpenter's advice Of all the raging rivers And their undertoes beneath And all of last night's lightning And trees with broken wings Stand behind the western winds and gently push me east With a common sense and doctrine And a nice soft place to sleep Whatever were you thinking Whatever did you know Whatever were you wondering When you hit the road Whatever were you seeking Whoever did you find Whatever are you looking for as you find the time? And I would sit with wonder, all gathered in the streets, with lights shone down from lamps above inside this summer's heat. And time again at summer's end, we playfully rehearse 
the art of wooing girls from here and then hiding when they turn. So what to do with all these questions, who and what and why? He said just sit back, relax, accept these comforts from the skies. Whatever were you thinking, whoever did you know? Whatever were you searching for when you hit the road? Whatever were you hoping, whoever do you love? Whatever were you searching for as you rose above? Whatever were you eating, whatever did you see? Whatever were you looking for before you found me? Whatever, 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 whatever. Wow, Kevin, this has been truly a very, very special day for us. Um, you know, you get to listen to your music on planes, and that's great. <laughs> but I wish you could feel the feeling to just sit in front of you when you're alone with the guitar playing. It's absolutely one of the most mesmerizing things in all my years of seeing music, and I swear I listen and see a lot of music. In the world In the Kevin Kinney giving being very generous with our time, with his time. Um, that was that was great. That was very fun. I, I was mesmerized when he was playing. It's right sitting right in front of me playing. Oh, that was you know I was thinking about that too. It's kind of it's not often where you have an, a very talented professional musician performing for just three people. Essentially, a private show. Yeah, and the one of the many surprises was his description about how the popularity of vinyl has actually made it harder for him to put out vinyl. That was interesting. I I never thought about that. That was really interesting. There's actually a lot of <laughs> interesting moments in this interview that uh, were, were eye-opening, um, in particular the addiction segment. Um, and, and I'm happy. I got a couple puns in there that actually were funny for a change. So that, that made me feel, feel one. okay. One. You got one that was funny. All right. But you know what? One is... 
better than you usually do. Oh. Hey, so what were you going to say in the beginning of this episode? You had something I could beat you up with. What was that? Okay. (laughs) At one point last weekend. Actually, I was working hard on this podcast and I needed a break. And that's I'm not lying. I'm no, work, you, I've been working my ass off. On you this. have been because we've been trying to accelerate things to, to get stuff out and to get Kevin Kinney's episode out on time. And um, we have Lockin coming up and that's a whole nother bale of work. But so I took a little break and I watched a video that one of my freakazoid friends alerted me of 48 minute video of Dead and Company rehearsing Easy Wind, an old pig pen song that they broke out. And I was riveted. <sighs> The creative process. And Mayor was really the leader. I, I've heard these stories about Weir leading the show, but Mayor like, wanted to play that song. and they were, it, was all, it was interesting because they, they, they weren't really sure how to do it. They even pulled out an, uh, Mayor's iPod and were playing it. No, they pulled out it. That was his phone, and they were Snapchatting the rehearsal. That's what was going on with that. No, seriously, they played the original. And so at one point, I'm watching Bob Weir groove to the original studio version of Easy Win, which is hilarious. And another, on another point, Garcia played this lick, and Mayor kind of, and it sounded like Neil Young. And Mayor looks over to Weir like, little Neil Young take, huh? And Weir gives him a little smile. And they were giving each other shit. Weir was admonishing the drummers on, because he feels they overplay sometimes when people are singing, particularly on ballads. That's uh, why Lost Sailor and Black Throated Wind disappeared from the dead repertoire for a long time. All right. Well, thanks for that information, Rob. That was really, really, really interesting. I sat there and watched people rehearse for almost an hour. <laughs> and uh, also, I sat there and watched the convention. Think what you could be doing with your time and actually be making money. What do you got for me? Uber. Rob, you, you know what? And think about this. If you're an Uber driver. Nah, stop it. Listen, you're li- you work in the good neighborhoods. And if you were to be an Uber driver, you could play the podcast to to new folks that are in the car one so you can promote music of the bands you like two and three you can do the research of the bands you like all while making money this is a great idea there's no way i'd play my podcast in the car there's no way that's a seth thing that's not a rob thing well you can at least play the bands that are on our podcast and then they say who's this you say oh that's kevin kenny and actually here's our card you can hear his interview great interview get excited anyways i have friends for whom uh, the convention is like shows oh the democratic convention yeah they really enjoyed it yeah uh, they keep set lists oh really yeah no come on yeah they do uh do you right, want the you thursday can... night second set I gotta... oh, yeah i do but let me um hang on a second i gotta all right you want to write right. it down or no no i'm just trying to you know when someone reads the set list i gotta clear my head and okay. like be focused i'm ready Muslim guy talks into Asian guy talks into bunch of white guy suits stand while white guy talks into immigrant veteran immigrant veteran induces tears into hot chick gets hot chick gets fast forwarded over into Ohio senator speaks into California congressman speaks into I touch myself singer Katy Perry babbles and waves some oh and wakes me from my nap Uh, then Katy Perry sings then Katy Perry waves hands over her head back into Katy Perry sings then Chelsea Clinton is proud of her mom. Then dramatic Hillary biofilm. Then this is the woman. That's the uh, first time in 240 years. Uh, then Hillary speaks. Then I believe in science. And then into a shockingly enjoyable Hillary Gilgill into I accept. And there was a couple dark star teases in there. And anybody know this quote? When any barrier falls in America, it clears the way for all of us. Let's break down the barriers, people. And uh, this is the Rob Turner Show. Good to have you. Hey, uh, my first solo adventure. <laughs> Listen, man, you told me going into this, you said, Seth, please do me a favor. 
it stopped talking over me. So I stopped talking, and if I stop talking, you just keep talking. You don't stop. <laughs> so here we go. This is the end of the show here. When Jeff Atchison is our guest next week. He's from uh, Australia, and he's coming to do another U.S. tour. Yeah, he's, he's going to be through the southeast um, here uh, all through the month of August and maybe even later out. It, it starts August 19th in Georgia, and then it moves through New Jersey. And, you can check uh, out his dates online, jeffatchison.com. Jeff That's, That's a- with a G, G-E-O-F-F-A-C-H-I-S-O-N. I had the range of dates written down here somewhere. That's all right. They can look online. Oh, no, online. here it is. August 19th to September 10th. It's Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York. Uh, Kentucky, South Carolina, Ohio, and ends at a guitar barbecue in Boonton, New, that New cool. Jersey, September 10th. A guitar barbecue. They string their uh, guitars with pork. B O O N T O N, New Jersey. So, what he did, he, he sat down. This is what we do when we have guests. If they're kind enough to bring their guitars, we give them the option do, would you like to, like Kevin did, have your guitar with you in the interview and play at your will? Or would you rather knock them out beforehand, which is what Jeff chose to do? He sat mm-hmm. down, knocked us out five songs, and then did the interview. Mm-hmm. And we're going to now play one of those. And then the other four, the one we play now, or an old one of his, Don't Play Guitar Boy, which was actually cautionary advice from his father, flawed cautionary advice, I might add. But the other four are from the, his forthcoming album, and those will be played as part of next week's show. Yep, and we would play uh, the book that his wife wrote, but it's a children's book, but uh, you know, you really can't play a book unless it's on tape. So uh, we don't have the book on tape yet, but um, we did want to go ahead and include that. Uh, with that said, thanks for listening. We really hope you guys enjoyed the Kevin Kenny interview. Uh, and hopefully if you're in Atlanta, come on out to these shows at the City Winery. They are Looking to be really, really good. Uh, We're excited, and if you see us there, say hi. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. we got Jeff Atchison next week, Simon from New Master Sounds the week after. Play guitar, boy. Now don't shoot out the stars now. Cause it ain't worth the trouble when your guitar is a shovel that digs your grave. Well, you wanna play every night just to follow your dream. And play that blues music you wanna hear the people scream. Sneaking through the back Sometimes your bossy might rip you off Make you play real late You can't hold down no jumps Don't play guitar, boy Don't you vote the stars now That guitar that you play it Just might wind up the spade That digs your grave Well, you might have heard about Robert Johnson. He's a blues man. He used to carry that guitar around. If he never played that music, he might have just stuck around. 
Antique Man, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, well, sure he played real hot, but he'll never know. Just how famous he got, so don't play guitar, boy. Don't you vote the stars now. That guitar that you played just might wind up the spade that digs your grave. Like nothing I know. Guess in my system and it flows from my bones. I could spend my life just a paying off some bank by working nine to five. I'm gonna tell you no thanks. I'll play guitar, man, like this. Shoot for the stars now. And this tool that I use is gonna play these blues until I die. This tool that I use is gonna play these blues. This tool that I use is gonna play these blues.
Kaleidoscoping power group, television fireplace, hard to think for yourself. With commentators and fornicators and panic-driven imitators looking forward to a revolution. Everybody looking back to handpicked times and epitaphs. Jimi Hendrix, Kerouac, Vietnam. The great experiment, seductive, deceptive, dangerous. Poor men want to be rich, rich man doesn't give a fuck. Stand in line and shut your mouth because you'll do more time for smoking pot than Wall Street ever will for selling off your future. But all these rhymes are great and small. Just sit back, don't worry at all. It's hard to understand the cause with all those parades that throw up in the moors. And all these trappies, phrases, and witty prose are but uncommon in the common world of the worker bee. Kept in secrecy till the queen bee chattered away. So in truth and in poem, the truth be in mind, I hate to go to work, but I love the smell of coffee and coffee machines. I love quitting time. I love driving home after work, walking through that door and throwing your coat on the floor and kicking off your shoes and smelling at pork chops and onions and Betty Crocker all ground potatoes and applesauce. Ooh, that fine, that fine prime time TV is free with the set. So watch the news and read the star, go to bed. That big old Sears apostrophetic dream machine. Wake up to the smell of fresh cut grass and coffee. I guess the man don't pay me enough to worry about all those $10 words and $20 prose and $10 talk shows. Not at $4.50 an hour, you don't. Phone out the window. I wanna hear the pictures in the city below. 